God is with us. That's what the Emmanuel prophecy is all about, God with us. And this Christmas season, we're discovering that through the Emmanuel prophecy, Jesus is with us in the good days and the bad days. You see, what happened in Bethlehem's manger means that Jesus is a whole lot closer than we think. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 gives us that prophecy. Isaiah wrote, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. And then thousands of years later, Matthew wrote the fulfillment of that prophecy in Matthew chapter 1. Listen to verse 22. And so all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. Good news, church. God is with us today. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless your word that we've read, and I pray that you would speak it into our confused lives. We love you, dear Lord, and today we pray for direction. As I try to speak on the outside, may your Holy Spirit speak on the inside. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. This past week, I read a cute story about a mom and a dad who were trying to teach their four-year-old son what Christmas really meant. Uh, the dad asked his son, boy, do you know where Jesus lives? And he thought in his mind that his son would say, well, he lives in my heart or he lives in heaven. But without hesitation, the little boy responded back and said, oh, Jesus lives in the attic. And mom and dad couldn't figure that out for a moment until they remembered that's where they stored the nativity scene. Huh? And sure enough, all summer, Jesus did live in the attic. Good news again today is Jesus is not just in the attic. Jesus is everywhere. Uh, we've seen through the month of December that Jesus is all through the Old Testament. Almost every book in the Old Testament, there is a prophecy about Jesus Christ. Jesus' ministry was fulfilled in the New Testament. But you know what? Jesus wasn't done when he went back to heaven. He is still making intercession for us today. Jesus is with us Today. Last week we saw how God is with us in our struggles. And aren't you thankful for that? That we don't have to do life alone. That when we face difficulties and struggles, God is there with us. But you know what? The Emmanuel prophecy also means that God is with us in times of confusion. Now, I don't know about you, but I have times of confusion in my life. Huh? It seems like as I'm getting older, those times come more frequently. Huh? I don't know what it is about that. But you know what? There are times when we just don't know what to do. We don't know what to say. We don't know which way to go. And it's in those times that you need to understand the Emmanuel prophecy is there for you. In your times of confusion, God is there. And he is going to see you through. You know, I've been, I've been thinking this past week about a new a new device that if some of you would uh, invent, we could make a whole lot of money before next Christmas, all right? 
So I've got the idea you need, you need to do it. How about a, a device that either clips on your belt or, or maybe it's an application that is on your phone that works kind of like a, a GPS app. I love the GPS app on my phone. If I'm in a new city or town, I'll just plug in the address and it talks to me. And it gives me directions. It'll say, take the next exit, turn right one block. Your destination is on the left. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, sometimes. It is great, man. But, but wouldn't it be awesome if we had an app, maybe on our, on our phone, or a device that we could clip on our belt that, that had some really cool technology, maybe Bluetooth technology, and there was an earpiece that you could wear in your ear, and it would speak to you, and maybe even a little camera lens in your glasses where it could see exactly where you are and what you're dealing with. And instead of just giving you driving directions, it gave you life directions. Now, wouldn't that be great? For example, you're out at the mall and you run into some people that you vaguely recognize, but they know your name. And they're calling you by name and speaking to you and you're racking your brain trying to, okay, I know, I know this person, but I can't think of their name. What if you had that technology and as you looked at them, you just kind of pushed the device and it spoke in your ear, name, Randy Brown. Wouldn't that be cool? Or what about this, guys? You've spent the last hour at Home Depot, up and down every aisle. Now you're next door at Academy. You've gone through the whole store, and you're racking your brain. Okay, what in the world do I get her? Is it... <laughs> is, it is it the miter saw over at Home Depot, or is it the shotgun at Academy? And you hear in your ear, dummy, <laughs> you're in the wrong store. You need to be at Dillard's in the handbag department, Michael Kors purse. Wouldn't that be great if we had that technology? You know, the fact is, we really do need help in making right decisions. Because our lives are complicated, aren't they? We deal with complicated situations more than just remembering names or knowing what to get your spouse for Christmas. It's knowing what to do and what to think. When the doctor comes back in the room and gives us some really bad news, it's knowing what to do and what to think. When our teenage daughter comes home and says, I'm pregnant. You might think, well, that sure is a weird statement to make. No, it's not. It's part of our story today. It's for times like this that we need the Emmanuel prophecy for real in our lives. That God is with us. Now, Matthew chapter 1 is the fulfillment of the Emmanuel prophecy given in Isaiah chapter 7. What is the Emmanuel prophecy? Very simple. God with us. That was the name for Jesus, Emmanuel, that God is with us. And so this morning, just for a moment, I'd like to zoom out a little bit on the context of Matthew chapter 1 and see it a little more completely. And as we do, we see that for all the glory and all the awe at the circumstances surrounding the birth of Jesus, it really was a confusing time. 
There was confusion for at least two people in this story. Look with me, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, get that, before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Now guys, listen, the, the real situation here gets glamorized in the manger scene, but I'm here to tell you this was a mess. This was a huge mess from a human perspective. Mary and Joseph were in a pickle. Joseph must have been really confused when all of this began to happen. Here his girlfriend is coming to him, the one he's engaged to, and says, Joseph, I'm pregnant. And he knows he's not the daddy. And I know Joseph immediately began to process this in his mind because he, he, he wanted to do the right thing. Joseph wanted to do the right thing. How do I know that? Verse 19. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. He was a righteous man. There's a, there's a rich history to that phrase, righteous man. The Hebrew word for righteous man meant that he was known for his uncompromising obedience to the Torah. That is, his obedience to Moses' law, to the word of God. He had committed his life to doing the right thing. Now get, let me tell you, it is hard to find a young man today who has made that kind of commitment. But Joseph had made that commitment. I'm going to do God's will God's way. I'm going to be a righteous man and I am going to do the right thing. But you see, this righteous man had a huge problem. The girl he has promised to marry is going to have a baby. And Joseph knows he is not the father. Now Mary has tried to explain to him what is going on inside of her body. She tells Joseph that an angel has appeared to her. And the angel said, you're going to be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit of God. And you're going to become pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And the child that you're going to give birth to is none other than God's own son. Wow. That's pretty impressive. But let me tell you, it doesn't make things any easier for Joseph. You see, they lived in Nazareth. Let me tell you about Nazareth. It was a small town. And word gets around quickly in a small town. In a small village like this, everybody knows everybody else's business. <laughs> and I tell you, oh, Joseph knew that it wouldn't be long before all the church ladies in Nazareth... We're doing what they do. Not only that, Jewish law had clear instructions about what to do like someone like Mary who was in her condition. A section in Deuteronomy chapter 22 specified that if a woman pledged to be married is unfaithful and becomes pregnant, that she is to be brought to the door of her father's house. The men of the village were to assemble, pick up rocks, and stone her to death. So Joseph is faced with some pretty confusing circumstances. And Joseph is a righteous man. He wants to do the right thing. And so he is mentally processing this and thinking about what is the right course of action. How do I know he's processing it? Well, the Bible tells us. Look at verse 19. Because Joseph, her husband, 
was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind. That is, he's been contemplating this. He's been thinking it through in his brain. But after he had considered this, that again, it shows us that, that Joseph is, is a thinker, man. He's processing this. He's, he's thinking, okay, if I do this, then this is going to happen. If I make this choice, I, I'm going to have to play these circumstances out. And Joseph is doing the best possible job he can do as a human being to find out the best solution for this confused situation. We've got to see the Emmanuel prophecy come fulfillment, come to fulfillment through this passage, and it does. After all of his thinking and planning, Joseph decides he is going to divorce her quietly. You might say, well, preacher, they're not even married yet. Why would he have to divorce her? Well, he's engaged to her. He is betrothed to her. And in that day and time, it was a legal act to be engaged. And so it required an act of divorce to end the engagement. And in this way, Joseph is thinking, I can minimize Mary's disgrace, but still maintain my status as a righteous man. And so he struggles through all of this. And I'm trying to put myself in, in Joseph's place. I haven't been in this particular situation, but I've been in some pickles. And I can tell you, when I'm doing this and processing this, I go through sleepless nights. There is agony in my soul. I can't eat. I feel uncomfortable. I'm miserable. Do you know what I'm talking about? And so Joseph is processing all of this until God speaks to him. Verse 20, the angel said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. At the very beginning of that verse it says, After he had considered all of this, then an angel appeared to him in a dream. After he had had that long drawn out process of going through and thinking of every possible scenario, after endless nights of no sleep and a stomach ache that wouldn't go away, <laughs> then the angel spoke to him. My question is, why in the world did God make Joseph go through all of that struggling with all of this stuff? I mean, why couldn't that angel just show up at the very beginning? Do you think like I think? Maybe it's because we don't like to go through the struggles. But you know, I think it's a valid question. Why would God allow all of this anxiety to build up in Joseph's life? Why didn't he just send the angel in the beginning? Well, maybe it has something to do with God's working in our lives in times of confusion. Could it be, now just process this mentally, could it be that anxiety removal is not God's number one goal for Joseph, nor is it for us? I mean, I can tell you this, God's number one goal for my life is not just to make me comfortable. Because God has put me in some very uncomfortable situations. Is it possible that in getting his world turned upside down and having to struggle between what he thought a righteous man ought to do and his love for Mary, 
Maybe Joseph was being prepared by God to come to a totally new understanding of what righteousness really is. I mean, could it be? I know when you don't say amen, you're just really thinking about it. So thank you for thinking about that. Let me say it like this. God was about to give Joseph, who, who was himself a young man. Don't know how old exactly he was. Maybe, maybe he was 20, I don't know. But he was a young man. God was about to give this young man a huge assignment. Even though he was not the physical daddy of the Son of God, he would be the dad that Jesus knew. He would be the one who taught God's Son the basic things about life. He would be the one who taught God's Son how to work with his hands, how to be a carpenter, a gentleman, a man of faith. So God had to do some work in, in Joseph's life before he would allow him to teach his own son. Now, guys, let me tell you, I don't like going through struggles. And if I can avoid them, I do my best to avoid them. But sometimes God brings confusion into my life. There is a decision I have to make, and I don't know which is the right decision to make. You know, there's not a, a right one, there's not a wrong one, but I know there's God's will and I want to make God's will decision. Probably the toughest struggle I've ever had in my life was 19 years ago when this church called me to become its pastor. You've heard the story before. For those who haven't, let me just give you a quick a recap of it. I was, I was doing great in Plano, Texas. My little family was happy in Plano, Texas. We were living the Texas dream. We were as happy as we could be. And then Brother Bob Butler had to call me and mess things up. I told him, no, I wasn't interested in coming to Kavanaugh, even though I knew it was a great church. We didn't want to leave Texas. I didn't want to leave Collin Creek. I was having a great time. But the church called me a second time. I told them no a second time. They called me a third time. I told them no a third time. But you know what? Through that whole process, and it lasted from May until July, I went through the biggest struggle of my life. Honestly, there were days I was absolutely miserable because God was working inside of me. There were nights I couldn't sleep. Sometimes I didn't want to eat. Let me tell you, if I don't want to eat, something's going on. It was a miserable summer that I spent struggling with trying to decide what God's will was. But here's the deal. It was my struggle. I had to go through that struggle. I wouldn't wish that struggle on my worst enemy because I know how miserable I was during that time. But it was my struggle. And God wanted me to go through that struggle so that when I did come to my senses and say yes, and I became the pastor of Kavanaugh Church that I knew for sure this is where God wanted me. Because let me tell you, this is a great church. You are great people. This is an awesome place to pastor. But I've had some difficult, struggling times over the 19 years I've been here. I told Brother Mason the greatest thing about ministry is people. The worst thing about ministry is people. Yeah, it really is. It can be. 
But you know what? Through every struggle that I've had over the last 19 years that I've been here, I've come back to the conclusion, you know, I'm doing what God wants me to do. I'm in the place God wants me to be. Why? Because 19 years ago, I went through my struggle where God was preparing my heart to do His will. You know what? We all face those struggles, don't we? You face those struggles in your life, and it's not over. You will face multiple struggles like that throughout your life. When we are confused, we need to remember, though, God is with us. God is with us. And I think the story of Joseph helps us to see this truth and put it into practice. Four things I want you to take home with you about going through confusing times just like Joseph did. Number one, when you're confused, you need to know mentally, you need to know that God has a plan. That the world is not all chaos. God has a plan and you are a part of his plan. We can be sure that Joseph was confused. Mary, to whom he was engaged to be married, was pregnant. And Joseph was in a quandary what to do. You can only imagine his dilemma. But this angel appeared to Joseph in a dream and said to Joseph in verse 20, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She is going to give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. That verse is just packed full of instructions from God to Joseph. It's almost like God was saying to Joseph, Joseph, I know you're shocked. I know you're confused. But you need to know I am in control of this whole situation, Joseph. I've got a plan. I'm up to something here that is a whole lot bigger than you are. In fact, you can't even begin to imagine how big this plan is that I have. And you are an amazing piece of this beautiful mosaic that I am building, Joseph. So don't worry. Don't stay confused because I have a plan. Friend, you need to realize that when you are in the middle of your own mess, <laughs> and you will be, Understand God is doing something. God is up to something. God is bringing redemption to this lost world. That's why he sent his son Jesus. And as a follower of Jesus, you are a part of God's plan. So when you find yourself in a confusing situation, a situation where you can't even make sense of it, understand this, God's got it in control. God's got it in his hand. God has a plan, and you are a part of that plan. It was interesting that Angie read from Psalms 32. Remember her reading that? What a great passage she read from, from Psalms 32. Let me, let me remind you of the verses she read. She said, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. What a great way to start Psalms 32. One of my life verses is found later in this chapter. I have repeatedly gone back to Psalm 32 verse 8 because of what it tells me about God's plan for my life. Here's what Psalms 32 verse 8 says. I will instruct you and I will teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and I will watch over you. 
Man, what a great verse. I don't have to stay confused. Why? Because God is going to instruct me and God is going to teach me and God is going to counsel me in the way I should go. The old translation says at the end of that verse, I will guide you with my eye. I mean, God's eye sees everything. And if he's guiding me with his eye, guess what? He's going to take me down the right path. So here's, here's my point to you. When you are confused, like Joseph, when you are confused, know this, God isn't. Well, that's huge right there, man. That's enough to say amen and go home on, isn't it? We're not, but it, when you're confused, God isn't. God's got a plan. Number two, when you're confused, you need to follow the Holy Spirit because he's going to lead you. Now, this text doesn't specifically mention the guiding of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, the Holy Spirit is all through this story. He is guiding all through this story. Verse 18, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And guys, we can be confident that the Spirit of God is working in our life and in our situation. You can know for sure that when you face confusing times, the Spirit of God is there to guide us, to lead us, to take us down the right road. John chapter 14, Jesus gave us that promise. Here's what Jesus said. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you, and he shall be in you. I will not leave you fatherless. I will come to you. And Jesus has come to us through the Holy Spirit. I mean, Emmanuel... God with us is the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And part of the job of the Holy Spirit is to guide us and to lead us and to direct us. You see, the great work of the Holy Spirit is the presence of God to give us guidance through life. Now you might say, well, preacher, how does that work out specifically? How do I know what the Holy Spirit wants from my life? Well, it happens as I pray and as I seek Him. This morning, I, I, I always pray a long time on Sunday mornings, seeking God's guidance and the Holy Spirit. And I'm just saying, Holy Spirit, lead me and guide me and help me as I interact with people and, and give me the words to say. And I know that He's going to do that. My job is to pay attention, to be alert, to be keen to the leading of the Holy Spirit. I need to feel for the Holy Spirit. And as I do, He is going to guide me and lead me. And he'll do the same for you. Now, I've never been scuba diving. Anybody out there ever been scuba diving? Raise your hand if you have, because I'm, I'm really interested in this. Okay, some of you have. I, I hear it's awesome. It's really cool. And Brent, I want to go one day. I just don't want to go deep, okay? I, I kind of want to stay in the, in the shallow water. The reason I don't want to go deep is I, I read a, a, an article by an, a Navy SEAL diver who talked about the perils of diving in really deep water. He says it can be extremely dangerous. You can get down to such a level in the water that it is so black and so dark. He said, you can't even see your hand in front of your face. And it is very easy to become disoriented in that darkness. And you don't know which way is up 
or which way is down. You're confused. He said, what I do in situations like that is I just reach out and I feel for the bubbles. Because I know the bubbles are always going up. Here's, here's what he wrote in the article. When it's pitch black and you have no idea which way to go, you reach up with your hand and feel the bubbles. The bubbles always drift to the surface. When you can't trust your feelings or your judgment, you can always trust the bubbles to get you back to the top. Well, hallelujah. There it is, because there's a lot of times I can't trust my feelings or my judgment because they are tainted and I am confused. But when I pray and ask the Holy Spirit to guide me, the Bible is promised He's going to do that. That's His job, to guide the believer. And so I pray, and then I seek, and I follow, and I pay attention, and He will guide me. Now, one other way that all of that works is point number three. When you're confused, you need to look to the Word of God. Okay? Not only pray for guidance from the Holy Spirit, but look to the Word of God. Sometimes in life we get disoriented, don't we? We become confused and desperate. At other times, we find ourselves just drifting aimlessly through life. And God knew that. God knew that we would need advice and instruction about how to live. And so he's given us a manual. It's a life manual. It is a book, and within this book, there are 66 different books. It's a reality library. And it's all full of stories and letters and guidelines and examples from God that tells us what is true and what is real. And it gives us guidance in our times of confusion. I mean, right here in verse 22, all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Again, let me make this connection. Isaiah the prophet gave the Emmanuel prophecy in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 about a coming Savior. Thousands of years later, Matthew wrote about it and said, here is the fulfillment of what was spoken by the prophet thousands of years ago. A virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. You see, folks, the, the Bible is one unit written with complete harmony over a time period of thousands of years, but yet there is only one moral theme, one plan of salvation, one story of redemption, and it all makes sense. It's God's guidebook to us. And so when we need guidance, we need to read the Word of God. Psalms 119.105, your word is a lamp unto my feet, and it is a light unto my path. So when I'm confused, and I have got to make some decisions, here's what I do personally. I open this book, and I read it, because God is speaking to me from his word. And as I read it, I'm praying and asking the Holy Spirit to give me guidance. And you might think, well, that's... That's hokey pokey. No, it's not. It works. It works. You pray. You read. You seek the Holy Spirit. He will guide your life. He, he did that here for Joseph. And that brings us to point number four. When you're confused, ultimately, you just need to step out in faith. You need to trust and obey. Okay? 
Here's what Joseph did. He came to a roadblock, a time of confusion. He didn't know which route to take. He didn't know what to do. He thought about it. The angel of God spoke to him. And after God spoke to him through that angel, Joseph immediately obeyed. Guys, let me tell you, there comes a point in time where we need to go beyond the praying and beyond the seeking and beyond the reading. And we need to act in faith. Sometimes we get so afraid that we're going to make the wrong decision, we don't make any decision. And we sit there stymied. And God is saying, hey, I'm giving you the direction. Go through that door. (laughs) And we're afraid we're walking through door two when we should be walking through door three. You know what? There's a time that we just need to act. We need to step out in faith. We need to trust and obey. It, it happened right here for Joseph, Matthew 1, 24. When Joseph woke up from that dream, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him to do, and he took Mary home as his wife. He didn't pray about it anymore. He didn't think about it anymore. He did it. He did it. He took the Lord by the hand. And he stepped out in faith. And some of you need to do that today. I read a great story from Ann Graham Lotz this past week. That's Billy Graham's daughter. Uh, Ann is, is getting up in age herself. She's a great uh, motivational Christian speaker. And, and she talks about this in, in one of the articles that I read. Uh, she was married to her, her, the love of her life for several years until about a year ago her husband died. His name was Denny. And she loved Denny, and she tells this great story about about following God through an example with her and her husband, Denny. Uh, Anne is just a normal height woman, however tall normal women are, I don't know. But she married a giant. Denny was 6'7", okay? So he was a tall man. And she told the story about going to their alma mater, the University of North Carolina, to football games. She said that parking lot would just be a mass of people, and, and I couldn't see through the people to know which direction to go to get in the stadium, much less find my seats. I couldn't see through the mass of people. So she said, here's what I do. I would take Denny by the hand and follow him. He's 6'7". <laughs> he can see over the crowd. He knows where he's going. Here's what she said. The way I get from the car to my seat is just by holding his hand and following him closely through the crowd. Here's the point. She went on to say, I do the same thing with the Lord. I just try to faithfully follow the Lord's step day by day, hour by hour. She said, 10 years from now, I just want to look back and know that to the best of my ability, I have been obedient to God's call on my life. Well, amen, Sister Ann. And what a challenge for us. Guys, let me tell you, I don't, I don't know what tomorrow holds. You know, I face certain situations that are confusing to me, and I really don't know the best course of action to take. But here's what I do know. God sees it all. God sees. What I need to do is take him by the hand and follow him. Because he will not lead me down the wrong